Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Top Fika podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas, coming to you as always every week. Sorry, we're a, we're a day late this week, uh, but we had a we had a game today, and we figured, well, let's wait another another day, and like that, we could uh, get a triple play for you—a triple play of games to recap for uh, for your listening pleasure. With me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira, da Silva Fernandes Ramos. Gamate, what's going on, my friend? Jesus, at the end. Listen, just let everybody know the real reason why we, we decided to do the podcast today is because it is, it, for those of you in the United States, especially in the Northeast, it is a nor'easter outside today. There's a ton of snow. We figured, we figured it'd be a beautiful day to sip hot chocolate and talk about Benfica. Either that or or say, well, we'll do the podcast and then we'll lose power in the middle. Then we'll have a, a, an excuse to just have a, a five-minute podcast. Well, that was the real plan, but then they pulled it off in penalties because that was going to be the reason. Yeah, look, we got a Nor'easter, no, no, no power. Sorry. Next week. Yeah. Also with uh, with uh, with you, or with us, rather, but for your listening pleasure, Dave the Oliveira, the man, the myth, the legend, the one that does uh, all the stats and uh, one that struggles with the Portuguese pronunciation, but we like them like that. That's how we like them. Dave, what's happening, my brother? It adds character to the uh, to the show, but yeah, good to be back on. I thought we were doing uh, a uh, uh, podcast after the uh, right after game, so we can get some raw emotion out of uh, Cristiano because he never brings any raw emotion to the podcast. Of course anyway. not. <laughs> I was ready. Uh, give me a break. Give me a break. I've I've simmered down a lot. I was ready, but uh, I got to be honest. I was uh, I was not a happy camper. I was trading a couple messages. I almost insulted a couple people on Twitter, but I ended <laughs> up deleting deleting my tweets. Uh, but uh, it's neither here nor there. So episode hey, three. There, there's you say you're not a happy. Is, is there a Benfica that is happy today? 
that's there's ever happy. That are, that, not just today, just just ever happy. Oh, there's some that are happy, Dave. Ever happy. There's some that are happy occasionally. But today, I'm just saying today. Even even myself as a huge JJ fan. I mean, I'm not exactly thrilled. So I mean, you know, Alfredo, you're not the only one. Some of us just decided not to go on Twitter. You decided to go on and insult people. But I gotta give you credit because it takes talent. I almost it, did. I almost it, did. It takes discipline to actually, Dave, go through the whole process. F U C K. Y-O-U, and then delete. You like you got it out of your system. You just didn't press send. So credit to you because a lot of people actually do press the send button and then they regret it. So credit to you, Alfredo, for, for being disciplined. Yeah, I don't that, know. If I, I, I even had somebody tweet at me that uh, unfollow the pod, unfollow the podcast hadn't uh hey. wasn't following me, and all of a sudden he uh he, he decides to tweet at me, and I told him my life, my Twitter life was so much better without you. I mean, uh, can I take a guess? Can I take a guess? Go ahead. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give this guy mic time. I don't want to give no, public. No, that's fine. Let's but, move on. But, but you know what it is the Adele Tadopt hater. Is that that's what right. it is? That's See who it is. Oh wait, now for those of you listening, like, wow, there's a shitload of those guys. So you know, that's... <laughs> especially <laughs> after him came coming back from uh, COVID, he hasn't looked too good there, Cristiano. Yeah, it could be anyone. And and Mr. Mello actually had a question in terms of uh, what Cristiano. I uh, thought about uh, the recent Tarap uh, performances, uh, especially after coming back from COVID, and, and Cristiano will will address that certainly. Uh, but let's uh, let me just uh, give you the menu. Three hundred and eighty nine is what we're up to. Uh, we will uh, recap the Liège Villafranquense and Guimarães game. We'll look ahead to Gil Vicente, which comes up this weekend before that big Supertasa game against Porto on Wednesday, a week from today, as we record this. Um, so let's uh, let's get get right into it. Um, uh, three games, uh, three levels of uh, difficulty or or uh, expectations, if you will. You got the Liège game, which was something that was just to uh, fulfill the calendar. Uh, the last game of the Europa League with Benfica all uh, wrapped up in the qualification, and having very little hope that the uh, Rangers would slip against uh against Poznan and Bifika would jump to first place and grab that uh be a number one seeds instead Bifika finished the group in in second uh but uh, the 11 for uh, Liège Helton late was in goal uh Ferreira was right back Jardel Vertonghen and Tavares wrapped up uh, the back line in the middle Weigel and Tarabt Pedrinho on one side Everton on the other Wal Schmidt behind Darwin this is uh the lineup that JJ uh fielded five changes from uh the game prior um and again uh a game uh, where Benfica I thought that Benfica really uh dominated in the first half but again the team comes down against the run of play. Benfica gives up a goal, went down one nothing uh, in the twelfth minute. And, and Cristiano, it almost seems like you remember how last season we used to talk about set set pieces and corners and how we always used to struggle and we always used to tremble. And it was almost a half a goal because Benfica forgot how to. Uh, defense set play, especially when the guy that was the set play specialist coach <laughs> took over the team. And now it almost seems that every time a team comes down and puts in a cross, we're shaking. Yeah, I mean, Alfredo, I, I think it's pretty safe to say we're not very good defensively this season. And, and I think you could extend it to, to last season. It's just been atrocious, uh, whichever way you look at it. But the one thing's for sure, right? I, I'm a new person here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm How so? Happy. How so? 
think I mentioned this on a, a few podcasts ago, and, and I'm going to try my my very, very best to try to put positive spins on things. And I think the company line and the line that I'm sticking to is that, look, go down one zero, tied up one one, go down two to one, tied up to two. So the fighting spirit is something that we should all be very proud of. I think we've mentioned it on the podcast that Benfica should go into every game down one zero and then they'd actually show up to play. Um, but, you know, especially Alfredo, yourself, a guy who is still very bitter, very, very bitter uh, about some of, of, of the players that are still on this roster today. Some of their performances last year seemed as if these guys were just coming in for the Sunday jog and like, let's get the season over and done with. You know, when Benfica went down, forget about it. Just wrap it up, grab your tent, go home. There's no way we're ever going to make a comeback. And now positive Cristiano Oliveira is looking at things with a positive eye. Look, we're... You know, we're keeping it interesting. It's better than losing for sure. So uh, the one thing that's interesting here is this game's so long ago, right? At least to me, it's I mean, I forget about all these things. I actually had to go look real quick at what the lineups were just so I could refresh my memory. And they have a picture of Tomas Tavares up on the but I think this is I had to double check like standard Liege to two. I had to check the rosters because I mean Tomas Tavares is not even on Benfica. So whoever's doing these uh these uh, post-game updates on, on the internet. You guys got to sharpen it up, man. You know, Mastavar is not he's, he's in Aliga. He might be still wearing red. Does Alaves play wear red? No, they're blue. Blue they're and blue. white. Yeah, so. Like Zenit. Nun Tavares. Oh, this, no, not Nun Tavares. This Tomas Tavares. Oh, they had a picture of Tomas Tavares? They, have to, they do. Extended highlights, group stage, da, 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 and they got Tomas Tavares. And I think that's a Zenit player, actually, next to it, believe it or not, Dave. <laughs> <If you look, laughs> I had a double check. I'm like, yo. But yeah. <laughs> but Cristiano, I, I like the fact that you're you're now the the spin master, and and I think that's why people tune in to our podcast every week because you never know what you're gonna get from uh, from Cristiano. You like a box of chocolates? I, I can't confirm nor deny the rumor, right? The rumor that's out there that I'm Mister Positivity this year because JJ was there. Maybe if another coach was there, I wouldn't be so positive. But uh, you know, I can't deny or confirm that. I'm gonna leave it up for you guys to judge. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, and I think that you know that there's a lot of JJ haters, and and obviously you were one of the defenders and one of the guys that that well, felt that that JJ that's past tense. I still am. Let's, let's get no, it right, right. Uh, and, and I'm talking about before he came along. You were one of the guys that were in favor of, of his coming back. When and certainly you're you're trying to find positives, just like JJ, right? So two uh, two as as uh, as we mentioned the resiliency continues to be there and certainly that's a quality uh, that make that gives you some ease and comfort from this team because you know this team is going to fight to the to the bitter end um and like well, that being said I mean let's be like uh, taking the, the the fun out of it right uh, this is a team that Benfica especially with this roster and, and you know the, the, the it's a broken roster but even even that being said, it's it's a team that Bifika should have, you know, handled pretty easily. Um, there's no reason why Bifika is tying against a team like Standard Liège. I, you know, all due respect to them, but it just right now things aren't clicking at Bifika, and, and that's why I, I think I'm I'm you know trying to keep it positive because th- th- there's not very many positives to take away from this. Yeah. And so exception of you know the never dying, the never say die spirit, the always coming back when when things are. You know, look bleak. We find a way to turn things around. Uh, my man, my my favorite. I can't say it ever, but I was gonna exaggerate a little bit. But my favorite being Fikis over the last ten years. My man, Luis Miguel Antonio da Costa Pizzi. 
Well, man, always coming through. Always coming through. That's in our last week's podcast. Anything that happens positive on this team, PZ seems to be involved in. My man, I got to give it up to him because he's made me look good this week. I, look, it, he certainly has shut up a lot of haters um, on 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 Pizzi. P- with Pizzi? Is that? I, I can't believe they actually call him the Monku. What was it? What's the, what's the stupid Monku nickname? Master. Monku Master. That, whoever gave him that, that nickname is dumb. <laughs> Yo, so check it out. <laughs> You don't want any royalties from that, Cristiano? <laughs> so wait, so so listen, check it out, right? So Cristiano with the spins, JJ in the press conference after the game, his, his positive was we were undefeated. And, and, and nobody could take that away from him. He's not lying. He's not lying. When's the last time we did that in the group stage? Think about that. It's a positive. <laughs> JJ, yo, my man, old weasel. My man got that off easy. It's a great point. Yeah, no, but uh, there's there's definitely some 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 positives to to take away, and um, you and myself, you guys know that I'm I'm an avid critic of, of Pizzi, um, and certainly my biggest thing with Pizzi is that I I don't think that he's um, a bad player. I just think that that number eight spot is not for him because he's a guy that defensively is very lazy. Um, I think that if he plays behind the forward or is he play, if he plays in the free roaming uh, spot uh, underneath the forward, I think that's his best position because now he doesn't have defensive responsibilities. Yeah, I disagree with that. I disagree not with what you're saying. I disagree with the term that you use saying that he's lazy defensively. I think the one thing he's shown, even in his bad games, is that he's not lazy. He's always hustling. There's a difference between being lazy, which is slow. Not, no, and not knowing what the hell you're doing. The guy, he's clumsy as hell, right? A lot of times when he actually does track back and he gets in the way, of it's a yellow card. He just sticks out a leg. He doesn't know how to defend. But, look, he hasn't played well, but I, I just think that that term lazy, I think that's doing him a disservice. I think he's everything but lazy. At, right now, when he first arrived at Benfica, 100%. But today, the guy is out there. He's, he's one of the hardest-working players on the field. He looks clumsy. looks like he doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't know what he's doing on the defensive side, Alfredo. And, and right. I agree with you. I've always told you he should have played as that second striker. But now you brought in a guy you spent 15 million bucks on and Luca Walsh, made a guy that's actually performed well, is putting the ball in the back of the net. And, and I, I don't think that Ops going to get that opportunity there, maybe as a backup bro, if Benfica does bring in somebody here in the January transfer window. But I just look, I don't, I don't want I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm not trying to call you crazy. I just think that it, you're doing him a disservice and calling him lazy on the defensive end because I don't think he's lazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll agree to disagree because Renat Sanchez called him out. Renat Sanchez says that Pizzi didn't like running. Uh, oftentimes, we've seen him ball watching in terms of tracking back and defending. And, and Wait, who are you talking about? Pizzi. Oh, shit. Who were you talking about? Delta Rat. <laughs> I never once mentioned the Delta Rat name. No, but it was, I was You're talking about Luis Miguel. He messed me all up. I thought I thought that was that was Tarap's no, name. No, Tarap. I think he's one of the hardest working players that's on the why, team. That's why I said, man, don't call him lazy. And they, you, you all screw me up. Like I'm like, I'm not too sunshine. Actually, that's what I say about him. I'm like, wait. So you do agree? Oh, with, please with keep me. that in there. That's beautiful. Ah, PZ just look. PZ is. You do agree with me that PZ is lazy defending? Uh, you know what? Because I'm a new Cristiano. PZ is a luxury <laughs> player. New Cristiano. PZ is a luxury player, meaning meaning that 
it's a luxury to have a guy like him on the field, right? He's just gonna do his thing. He's gonna float around, right? What's what's the what's the saying, Dave? Help me out. Fly like a bee, sting. Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how peasy he is, right? He's just floating around. Does does a whole lot of nothing on the defensive end. A whole lot of nothing. But then when he gets the ball, my man has been. He's been our our Jesus Christ, Lord and Jesus Savior, whatever you want to call him over the last couple of months. Look, Peasy is a flawed player. We know what he is. Um, I can't believe I'm sitting here praising him after so many years of uh, of criticism. But I just look. My apology. I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I, I thought you because you said the eight. Yeah, I I, I can't eight. believe we we just had this whole five minute conversation and you thought I was I was talking about that opt. This will be the best five minutes of the podcast anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, that's what you get here. You might get a lot of wrong facts, and Ricardo Antunes is there to correct us as always. Dave's here for that. Dave's our, our stat, statistician. He just lets me bury myself. He's like, yeah, go ahead, bury yourself. Go ahead. I got to I got coming in with a hot take on pizza. No, there. because nobody, nobody said anything about that opt. I think Dave was shocked. Dave was like, huh? No, because you mentioned, look, Alfredo, I was, I, my mind was elsewhere. And I heard, all I heard you say was, he's not an eight. You know, he's lazy defensive. I'm like, wait, wait, you're attacking, you're attacking my boy. Tarap, man. That's so I, you know. Scratch that, but we'll leave that in for your, for your entertainment. And, and Cristiano is actually not drinking. Agua. It's agua, not agua. Then. Yeah. Cristiano is actually drinking water. So that's just in, on his uh, normal state. But, uh, you know, uh, but that that's what it is. But uh, anyway, let's let's just wrap this game. Uh, Benfica finishes the group undefeated. Unfortunately, um, comes out in second. And I'll I'll go to you, Dave. Do you do you feel? Uh, and maybe you're in the same opinion as me. Do you feel that Benfica underperformed in this group stage? Yeah, looking when we do the we did the draw. If you asked this. I think a couple of months ago when uh, before the uh, group stages started, I think we would have all sat here and said, oh, Benfica, this is your Europa League. I think we would have said Benfica is coming out on top of the group. But you also got to remember how how fragile it seems like this this team is. So uh, we've seen the lowest of the lows with this team uh, in Champions League. And maybe it's it's baby steps for them to get back into uh, the, their top European uh, contention. Right. Um, but obviously I would have much preferred winning the, uh, the group, but, um, it is, I think we're, we've been saying this a lot lately. It is what it is. We gave a lot of shit to, uh, to Verissimo last, last year, but we've been saying it a lot this, uh, the, the, these last couple of months. It is what it is. No relation to today's referee or the, the Verissimo we're trying to steal from Santos. No yeah. relation. Cristiano, uh, underperforming or under the circumstances and being that this is a new team, new coach, it was fine. It was acceptable for you. No, I I, I can go off on, on a bunch and of I'm, I'm talking about JJ. I'm not talking about Lodge. I, 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 I just I, want to establish off, that. I could go off on a bunch of different directions here, right, as to why the team's not performing or, or my my theories um, as to why we should cut them some slack. But even that being said, and I'm pretty sure we could get into that as the podcast goes on, I, I do believe we underperformed in this group. This there's no absolutely no powerhouse. Um, Benfica should have handled all these. As I mentioned, we was two two draw. The positive was look, we come from behind twice, right? Something we've shown all year that we're never gonna give up. <clears throat> the positive Cristiano coming out. Uh, Vertonghen went back home where the captain's armband. I know a lot of people weren't happy about that, but like I, I think, look, man, you know what? Grab a shovel, bury, dig a hole on the floor in the backyard, and dig in and bury yourself because it's like you, you. That's like. Who gives a crap 
you know, about who wears the captain's armband at the end of the day. It's a very respected professional player, a player who's been around the block, a player who's very well respected in the locker room, in the community, in the footballing community. I get it. It's not Jardel, but think about it. When Andre Almeida's there, it's not Jardel neither. It's Andre Almeida, so I'd rather give it to Vertonghen. Um, next topic. Ne- next player, I should say. João Ferreira. I, I, you know, I got to give him credit. Yo, he's actually he looks like we finally have a player. Uh, Alfredo. 19 years old. If you recall... Look, I, I remember useless information all the time. The positive stuff I forget, but the useless stuff I always remember. If you recall on last year's podcast, I questioned, I questioned, where in the hell is this kid, João Ferreira, who was the key guy going back in the in the Matias Perina acquisition? We were getting my goalkeeper, who then got to the airport and I don't know, got hurt. Maybe got hurt and you know, joining the Mile High Club on the way to Lisbon or what it is, but whatever. Benfica had no idea he was hurt, or Juventus did it. He gets hurt. Ferreira was going to Juventus. Then the deal falls apart. Then Barcelona wants to buy João Ferreira. So then you hear all this. And I, and I'm, I remember vividly speaking about this because I've always had this question in the back of my mind. Like, what the hell? Everybody praises this kid. And you got Tomas Tavares jumping him. Like, I never heard of Tomas Tavares. And he's a starter. So I'm glad that this kid has finally showed up and he's finally getting some, um, some, some minutes. It looks like we do have a quality right back in our hands. Maybe. Just maybe when he's ready to play in about four years, Andre Almeida will be ready to go out then. You know what I mean? Maybe then we'll replace Andre Almeida in about four years. So you, you do have some positives. You do have some positives. Um, but, yeah, I think they they are underperforming uh, against teams like this. Stanley Liège, no disrespect. They've had wonderful players and wonderful teams throughout their history. But in today's footballing world, come on, Darwin Nunez, the $200 million man. You got Luca Walshman, Julian Vigo. You got a fantastic team. Oh, Padrino, another guy who's played and has played uh, multiple games after that, played on the next game of the Tasa, played today again. Another player that my boy JJ is he he's doing what I'm what I do a lot here on the podcast, which is he's eating a lot of crow lately because they criticize them. And my man, it looks like we got a nice little player. Looks like we got a nice little player on our hands. So look, that's three positives right there to take from. Plus the score, plus PZ. I mean, look, it's just it's been a, a it's been a wonderful couple of weeks. I was saving the Padrino top topic for for later, but I could see that you 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 must have changed batteries today, and you you're like the Energizer Bunny just drumming around the room. I look. It's to, in my defense, I did warn Dave prior to the podcast that I wasn't in the mood to talk. He was gonna. He said he didn't want to talk. So here I am. <laughs> that's how we start off every podcast Chris. so um yeah so look um i i look it's good not to have the disappointing european performance and regardless of whether it's europa league or champions league uh it's good not to be embarrassed in europe for for once uh but certainly i i do feel uh, much like you guys that we we underperformed and in, in all three of these teams uh are teams that if you get is much superior to, uh, has a bigger budget than all of them, has individual talent in most of the positions better than than all three of them. But certainly, uh, you know, you got to take uh, the, the glass half full uh, type of approach to this campaign. Um, and now uh, we got Arsenal. But before, uh, before that and before Dave tells us when we're going to be playing Arsenal, Dave, numbers on this game, dude. Yeah, just some quick uh, stats. Uh, Taraft is now the uh, co-leading uh, goal scorer in uh, the Europa League with uh, six goals this year. Chris, you listening to that? Taraft's the leading goal scorer in Europa League and this I just year. My leg. <laughs> Bitsy is the leading co-leading goal scorer in Europa League this year, and uh, 
Benfica has now conceded two or more away goals uh, in uh, Europe for nine straight uh, away matches. So that uh, that stat just keeps growing bigger and bigger now. Yeah. Um, and, and when we play in, uh, we, we drew Arsenal and that uh, drawing was uh, Monday as we spoke about last pod. Uh, when do we play uh, Arsenal? The 18th and the 25th, right? Oh, you got stats on that? Team. That's correct. Yeah, no worries. 18th in Portugal and then uh, 25th at the uh, Emirates in London there. And uh, Benfica has both uh, mixed uh, memories with uh, Arsenal. We got that shellacking under JJ at the Emirates Cup a few years back preseason. But we also have that memorable game uh, at Highbury with with the Isaias and and company uh, getting the result uh, against Arsenal. So it will be interesting. Uh, Right now, Arsenal is a team uh, that's in shambles. Uh, Arteta is... uh, has his job at risk. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we got uh, a long time uh, until then, uh, February, still a long time, lots of water, uh, will, uh, move back and forth. So we'll just a- have to, uh, see, but I think that, uh, hopefully we continue to improve and progress. And by the time we get to that stage, we'll be a much better team than we are now. But if the two teams had to play right now, I think it would be pretty even despite the uh, Arsenal stature, Cristiano. Well- the good thing for Benfica is that Serge Gnabry no longer plays for them. He scored four goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken. That five nothing shellac. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's now at uh, at Bayern Munich, and I believe he scored four goals against uh, last year in the Champions League. I forget against who. Yeah, he's ridiculous. It was at Barcelona when they scored like eight, like fifteen one or whatever it was. Yeah, he might have scored. I think he scored four goals then. But look, man, that's it's a sexy ass matchup. Very sexy. Benfica and the Gunners. Right, yeah, it's going to be one of those that look when 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 there's a possible draw coming up. You always as as as, as you know, at least I do. Uh, I kind of want to get a cupcake because I want to try to get further down the competition, right? Try to get an easier path, but at the same time, you do like these matchups of playing the Arsenal's of the world, the big boys in the Premier League, because at least you know you're gonna be yo. There's gonna be all sorts of attention on you. All eyes will be on you. You'll be talked about in the press. So we've seen Benfica when their backs are against the wall, when they're not supposed to to play well, when they're not supposed to advance. That's when Benfica shows up to play. I understand it's a totally different team, um, it's a totally different season, right? Obviously, the pandemic also has a lot to do with it. But I, I, I do feel it's a little bit premature to talk about this match right now because I still think there's – you know, there's there's three weeks before the transfer window. There's a whole transfer window. And the winter transfer window will shut, and then these two teams will get to confront one another. I do believe Benfica is going to bring in one, two, three possible players, uh, possibly three players, I should say, uh, to strengthen this lineup. That being said, look, Arsenal's not playing well. I, I don't think it's any secret. They've been atrocious. Um, I, I think what they're doing with Arteta, what they're doing with that club, I think it's, it's embarrassing. Um, they just brought in a yes, man. They're trying to cut costs at all costs, right? They try to do everything they can to save money. And this is one of the top 10 richest teams in world football. Uh, Stan Kroenke is is filthy rich, um, has no reason to, to, to be cutting payroll and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I do think if Arteta is there in February, I think we'll all be shocked as well. So we don't know what's going to happen. That roster, though, that being said, um, they're atrocious. They're in like 13th, 15th, whatever it is, current standings in, in, in the Premier League. But you still look one through eleven. I mean, they, they 
I hate to do this to my Benfica, but name name me name me two guys or, or even one on the Benfica eleven that will start on that Arsenal team. It's still going to be a huge mountain to climb for Benfica. Um, the one advantage that Benfica does have, and that's without a shadow of a doubt, is the one advantage that a lot of people aren't happy about, which will be JJ. That's the, the one advantage because Arteta is still very raw. Is very early on in his uh, coaching career. This is his first job. He's been an assistant on the Pep Guardiola before. Uh, but I think the one advantage we'll have is JJ. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I think between now and then, there's a lot of football to be played. A lot of things could go right, right or wrong. Uh, I do believe that Benfica at some point will get into a groove. Um, as you guys know, I'm a JJ lover. Um, I think it's a matter of time before this team starts to to, to click. And we've seen what, what Benfica does when they click on their JJ. It's very attractive football. And not just attractive, they come up with results and, and, and you know, and, and they make us Benficistas very happy. So we'll see what happens between now and then. Like I said, it's still a long road to go. Um, but I do think uh, it's it's a very sexy matchup and it's one that I, I very much look forward to, to watching. Yeah, JJ didn't mention that he's not losing any sleep over this matchup. Uh, and so I don't know if he's uh, talking about because of the Arsenal, present day Arsenal, or if he's confident enough that he has the roster and the players and the team uh, to be able to play uh, eye to eye with this, uh, with this Arsenal team. Uh, I think he's also hopeful that he's able to grab a couple more players, but he did say this week, the, the, or last week rather, that he's prepared to lose players during the winter break. Uh, Domingo Suarez Oliveira did say, Domingo Suarez Oliveira, who is the CFO of, or the equivalent of the CFO at Benfica, did say that Benfica will need to uh, sell players uh, to balance their, their books. Uh, he had said that um, Benfica was, was going to encounter a tough financial time because of the pandemic, because of the loss of receipts or the loss of revenue um, without because of the fans are no longer in the stadium. Uh, and then we spent 100 million prior to the election and getting all these players. So right now there's a little bit of a, of a balancing deal and, and juggling act, if you will, uh, for Domingo Suarez Oliveira to make sure that he balances the books uh, at Benfica. So, but nonetheless, I think that Lucas Verissimo is probably somebody that's going to come along. I don't know. Uh, who else would would come along to uh, add on to this uh, Benfica team? But certainly, that's another uh, center back. We have we we have a boatload of center backs. But but apparently, uh, Ferro doesn't count. Todibu JJ has already said that. <laughs> I, who knows? You have, two, you have two dinosaurs back there. They're gonna play over anybody. Yeah. Amanda and Vertong. Now I got another question. I got a question. I got a first Suarez Diaz. Only what's his name? Domingos Suarez. Oliveira and Oliveira part. I got a question for him. If it is true that Benfica does indeed need to sell players in order to balance the books and, and stay a, stay afloat, um, who who the hell are we? It, it, we're like two weeks away. I know before I said still a long road to go before transfer, but we're literally like two. I, I forgot we're in the middle of December already. We're two three weeks away from the January what is it January fourth or whatever maybe the January transfer window. Who the, aside from Darwin, who the hell are we gonna sell on this? It's got to be Darwin. I mean, why, why nobody else on this. Viking right now at a discount at, at the what is it Christmas special discount? Yeah, I mean, because let's be honest, Vigo right now has got no value. Benfica's gonna what if they'll sell him and take a loss? I think I don't, uh, I don't think Benfica will sell him for the 20 that uh that uh, we I'm bought him for. Yeah, Benfica will not break even on this, so whatever they're doing, they're gonna take a loss on this. Yeah, but it, I mean, he has some market, uh, has been a German international, played at Dortmund. 
uh, young guy, uh, versatile, could play both center back and at the six and the eight position, depending how you look at him. But certainly a guy that has market. I don't think we'll get 20 million for them. Alfredo, you got that beautiful, shiny Volkswagen rabbit that you and Steve like to race and down in English town on, on, on Sundays every every weekend. Right. You just got that for three G's. And now a couple weeks later, you're going to sell it for a G. No. You just put all this work into it. You got the shiny, you got that long mirror that goes to all the, you know, from one side to the, to the other with the side. fuzzy dot with the fuzzy dice. No, you got the dice here, yeah, but the long mirror that, that runs the length of the car, right? You, you got the Dayton's on it and now you're going to sell it. You're going to take a loss on it. it Depends just, how it, desperate I am. It, it makes no sense though. Yeah. You better be very desperate and you got to have a beautiful way to spin that because Steve's not going to be very happy. He's not going to be very happy. You're selling that Volkswagen rabbit. So again, does he have market? Yeah, I believe there's teams that will take him. Is there anybody that's going to take him at the 20, 22 mil or whatever it was that Benfica's paid for him? I, I just don't see it. No, I don't, again, I don't see it either. But then again, I got to be fair. I got to be fair. Benfica got 20. They made 2 million on, on, on De Tomas, and I, I didn't think they could get 10. So, look, I don't know. Maybe they'll work out. They'll pull another rabbit out of a hat. Yeah. Um, Portuguese Cup is what was up next for Benfica. Benfica played Vila Franquense, a team that plays in, in the Portugal's second division. I believe they're either... 13th or 15th in the second division. Um, the 11 chosen by uh, JJ Elton late in goal, Gilberto Otamendi, Jardel, and Nuntavares across the back, Gabriel and Pizzi, Pedrinho on one side, half on the other, Seferovic and Ramush. Uh, Ramush getting on a score line uh, there quickly in the 11th minute. Then it was just a, the floodgates opened uh, 11th minute, 13th, 15th minute, um, and then 43rd minutes to for Benfica to go into the locker room up for nothing. Um, natural win for Benfica in this game. We would get another goal in the second half to to close out uh, the score line at uh, five nothing. But really, nothing to be said. This this is all expected, right? As when you go to the dentist for a cleaning, you get the cleaning and you get the heck out of there. This is this is what it is. You know, you go, you go, you play a team that's inferior to you. You um, show your superiority because you got players that are better. You got uh, a, a budget or, or actually a, a roster that is worth three, four, five, maybe 10 times more than Villa Franquense. It's just, it's just a natural progression of things for you to uh, win these games. Uh, I'm not going to go into um, much detail about, um, about this game. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you had uh, any, uh, any any stats on this game? Yeah, just uh, that this was uh, the first uh, meeting between uh, both clubs, and it was Benfica's first time since uh, the opening match of last season that Benfica scored five uh, five goals at uh, home, and that came against uh, Pash Freire. I just wanted to uh, say that it was a breath of fresh air to finally dominate these uh, these small clubs that you and Cristiano talk about the the old Benfica of years past where it wasn't a question of Benfica, whether Benfica was going to win. It was a question of how many goals Benfica was going to beat them by. But unfortunately for my generation, uh, we got to suffer in pain through the month or legs of the, uh, of the world and uh, just uh, get by on the one nil, uh, one nil victory. So it was a breath of fresh air for me to see uh, this uh, thrashing of uh, a five nothing uh, scoreline. 
See, that's where you got to praise a guy like JJ because he needs a little bit of both in this game. He gave you old school, right? Four goals out the way within 10 minutes. Like you got Cristiano and, and Alfredo got to feel what it's like to, you know, to feel what it was, what it was like being a Benfica Easter one again, one till when we were young and you got to feel it as well. And then he gave you a little bit of today, reality. Pedrinho had to score that marvelous left, left-footed banger. I mean, that was a fantastic goal. Yeah. I don't care who it was against. I mean, he, he hit it just perfect. And so it kind of gave you a little bit of both, Dave. I mean, that's why JJ is so entertaining and he's worth all $26 million he makes. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, Dave. If, 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 yeah, the, 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 the Trillion brother, the Trillion brother, the Trillion brothers. That's almost a tongue twister. The Trillion brothers uh, were on the bench. Of course, the Trillion brothers with, uh, with heavy ties to Benfica, having worked with Benfica's uh, uh, formation teams. Uh, also, one of the Trillion brothers was Thierry Henry's uh, assistant coach at Monaco during his short stint over there. Now he's back at uh, Villa Franquins, hoping uh, to do a good job and, and hopefully be considered for a position in the, the top division of Portugal. Fredo, is that why uh, on the team on the game sheet it says JCV Trillion because all three brothers are on the bench? No, only I think those only two. Uh, says, I don't know. There's only two brothers, I think, if I'm not mistaken. C dot V dot Trillion. Oh, okay. So there's three individuals. There's now somebody with a lot of initials. Oh, that's why I'm asking. You mentioned the brothers. I was like, they named them all. I know there was two brothers. Uh, but Dave, you forgot an important stat, man. Your your homeboy, Seferovic. Oh, of course. Yeah, he, he scored a, a brace in the game and he brought his uh, gold tally at Benfica to 50 goals. So he's been here. 50. Uh, was it fi- maybe 51 with the second uh, goal? But uh, yeah, man, he's been here for about three, four seasons, going on four seasons, and he got 50 goals to his name at his... Uh, 31, bro, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want the average to come out, uh, how how many goals he scores uh, per season, but uh, we'll just, uh, yeah, he brought his total to 50. And, uh, and Xenu, um, uh, you and I often, uh, you and I and Dave, obviously, because we're, we reside in North America, and we often... Uh, compare stats with with North American sports and and one thing that we've always spoken about is the Hall of Fame and how uh, players named like baseball players they usually their stats will give them an easier entryway in the Hall of Fame at this point Seferovic with 50 goals at Benfica is he entering legend status <laughs> first ballot Hall of Famer you can write it right here 100% right Chris we're talking about Seferovic, not not Pizzi or Tarapti either. Come on. <laughs> Look, you know, I, I have a strong opinion about the Hall of Fame because I think today's sporting world, everybody, oh, anybody that's kind, they've got a couple of stats to get thrown. Uh, and I do believe that in the Hall of Fame, there should be different wings at the Hall of Fame. There should be a wing in the Hall of Fame for um, Phenomeno Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona. And then there should be the other guy. Like, I think it, it, they shouldn't all be bundled together, bunched up together because it, it, it diminishes their quality because there are guys that have, like a Svetovic, for an example, right? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but Svetovic, for an example, um, I read somewhere that with, with those two goals in that game, he is now top 10. Yeah, uh, I think it's sixth place, I think. Whatever it was, top 10 is most goal scored as a foreigner. I'm being Yeah, that. it was the foreigners that part. Okay, so if he gets put into like some type of Hall of Fame at the Museum, right, it shouldn't be next to 
Ozebu. You know what I mean? Like he should be like at the entrance or even Cardozo. Exactly. But yeah, he should be like when you give the ticket and it's got the, the what do you call it? The thing that spins and it counts the person. Oh, the, a punch, the, punch, the, roulette, the roulette, the roulettes, whatever. He should be there. He shouldn't be down by the, you know, by, by the important stuff. But, you know, he if he obviously is going to we hope, right? We hope he doesn't stop here at 51 because, Dave, that'd be that'd be a bad thing for you. But we hope he's going to add goals. And look, his numbers are going to look nice. Right, <laughs> they're gonna make his career look a little bit bad. Like I said to Dave, he scored thirty plus in one season. Now he's got fifteen of the other five seasons combined. But um, look, if he winds up in the top five, top three um, European, I mean, obviously you got Cardozo, you got Jonas, and I don't even know Magnussen. Maybe I don't even know. Yeah, Ma- Manish, uh, Isaiah, uh, Lima, Salvio, and Mitro. Yeah. Like the other one. Yeah, he's got more goals than uh, than El Conejo. Saviola. Why does that surprise you? It doesn't. Don't bring me back to that because we, we go back. I think I we go back to the first. Steve days with Saviola. Yeah, exactly. Look, but whatever. Look, so getting back to, to Sferovic, I, I do think if he winds up in the top five, I, look, he should get an honorable mention. It is what it is. If numbers don't lie, right? Yeah. But should he be next to Salvio? I mean, Salvio, geez. should he be next to, to, to Cardozo? Should he be next to, to Jonas? Not exactly. You know what I mean? Not even He's close. Not, yeah, but no, I know, but well, you say not even close. But if the guy, well, he took him what five years to score fifty, so another five, he'll be retired by then, Dave. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but uh, but look, it's good for him. I'm glad to see him scoring. He's a guy that gets a lot of criticism. Um, uh, we here on the podcast, we're never his biggest fans, with the exception of Dave. But at the same time, we're, I don't think we're ever his biggest haters, his biggest doubters. Um, we. Alfredo, you and I did share. I believe we share the same opinion. Once he scored those those thirty goals that I've mentioned, I think three or four times here so far in the last two minutes. I think we were uh, we thought it was the right time to sell him because sell on a high. You know what I mean? And obviously, the next year he came right crashing back down to earth. Last year, what did he score last year, Dave? Like eight goals, maybe whatever it was. Mine, I don't know, Let's something see. like that. But it wasn't good. It wasn't thirty. Um, and so look, he's doing what he has to do. It's very professional of him. I think last year it was last year, right? Yeah, last year was his coming oh. is the reality party. No, two no, years, no. two seasons ago with Jean Felix was his. Two ago, exactly. Two seasons ago, that's why I was thinking in my head. Two seasons ago, if you guys recall, we praised them here so much because this is a guy that Rui Vitoria had said, "Look, I don't want no part of him. He's on a transfer with the guy. Didn't play a minute in preseason. Was." Was just sitting on the sidelines, and then when he got thrown in, I believe he came in off the Castillo, bench. Castillo got Castillo got hurt. Ferreira uh, wasn't uh, really uh, hacking it, and he came in. He he saved us the first four, four or five games of the season. He was the one that was scoring goals. And we praised him on the podcast because he said, "Look, regardless of what our opinion of him as a player is, you can't deny, you can't disrespect his professionalism because that's exactly what he is. The guy, even though he knew he was on his way out, he always fought through it. So that's the one thing about Svetovic. I, I haven't heard a, a negative thing about him. Um, I was fortunate to, to 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 deal with him and talk to him on a couple of occasions. You know, nice dude." I'm not his biggest fan, but, you know, still still something to be said about a guy that's been here this long and and still, you know, comes off the bench um, year after year. Benfica goes out and buys eight strikers to replace him, and then somehow he's still, like, the second or third choice, and he still comes off the bench and he scores. I get it. This was uh, Villa – what is it? Villa Franquense, whatever the yeah. hell it was. It, it was like playing, you know, Nordic Sport Club, but that being said, it's still, still – you know, the guy's still professional about it, and he still um, gets ready to play when, when, when a lot of people don't even believe he should be on the team. 
Yeah, regardless, he's winning at uh, life, as we as we mentioned uh, last uh, podcast that him and, and his wife uh, were going to don donate some some toys to uh, uh, the some of the poor families and, and some orphanages. Uh, so uh, a really incredible action. And, and I think that uh, you can't always uh, measure uh, a human being by his talents on a, on a football pitch. You should also measure them by his um, his attitude and his personality uh, off the football pitch. And I think that's the most important thing. And, and when it comes to that, uh, Seferovic is certainly somebody uh, that is a role model uh, for a lot of guys. Um, just uh, one last thing before we move on. And, and, and since you touched up on, on Pedrinho and, and again, uh, that beauty from Pedrinho uh, in the last game against Vila Fran uh, in the last last goal against Vila Franquense, uh, a shot that he already had threatened um, a few minutes before or maybe like 20 minutes before he, he, he uh, tried the same shot, just went wide. Um, but here's the here's the thing that I wanted to ask you, Cristiano. Um, Pedrinho and Everton, uh, there's there's obviously ties and, and comparisons uh, to both of these players. Um, just to rewind a little bit of the tape, uh, when Pedrinho got, uh, when Benfica got Pedrinho, JJ at the time, he wasn't the Benfica coach, but he did say there's better in Portugal. Uh, I mean, there's better in Brazil and Everton obviously being the better one. We went and got Everton and so far, um, and considering that both of these players have had the same adaptation period, Padrinho seems to be a lot more relaxed and a lot more himself than Everton. Everton is showing signs of fatigue. Um, we've seen Everton at a very good level in the beginning of the, the, the season. And now it's kind of he's just one of the guys who's not really uh, being that that superstar talent make or break a game player because you know do you think that's because Padrinho wasn't subject to that pressure early on do you think he's had a better time adapting to the squad and now all of a sudden we see a Padrinho flourishing or do you think that there's a fatigue factor within Everton that's limiting him from blowing up combination of things but before I get to, the, to those to those things just want to say you said when Benfica reached an agreement uh, to, to, to acquire him and, you know, in the following summer and, and they asked JJ, he didn't just mention Everton. He said, there's five, <laughs> there's five wingers in the Brasileira on better that I would pick over him. And, and then obviously when Benfica hired JJ, you, you, you know, you'd like to think that was a little bit, uh, you know, uncomfortable. That first meeting, uh, awkward, know, uh, awkward, I should say, uncomfortable, awkward, same thing to me. In, you know, my in my uh, ESL language, you know, in ESL world, that awkward, uncomfortable, same crap. Uh, <laughs> but look, he did arrive earlier, I believe. He's, he's he was in Portugal at the beginning, right at the beginning of preseason. I, Everton came in like what, first week. Of, of, of August or something like that. He didn't just, he didn't come in right at the beginning of the transfer window. So I, I do think he's got a little bit, a, a couple, couple more weeks ahead. Of, he's got, he's got a couple more weeks ahead of uh, Everton and adaptation, uh, adaptation, but I think you hit it on the head. Look, the hype wasn't as great around Padrino. Look, Benfica went back and negotiated. Said, we're not giving you eight, 20. We're giving you 18. <laughs> that's that's the only reason why he was even getting any, any type of ink in the newspapers because Benfica went and asked for a discount. Um, <laughs> so the hype around them was nowhere near Everton. Uh, and then Everton obviously just played, a, you know, he's the type of guy that he's the type of player that, you know, 
having played on the Brazilian national team and, and, and played really well in the Copa America and having big sharks in European football, um, being interested in them, there's this tremendous type, tremendous hype, tremendous pressure around this guy. And then he comes over and, and, and JJ, I guess, look, I, to his credit, JJ was right when he said, I think everything is awesome, right? And the guy's just been playing on the cansado. But uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and he's going to play this guy no matter what. And, and Padrinho was kind of had a little bit easier time easing into things and then also fractured his foot. You know, he's just, it's a totally different expectation when you see Everton step onto the field and when you see Padrinho. Padrinho, because of all the stuff we just mentioned, all the BS off the field with JJ, I don't think a lot of people expected much off of him. Where Everton comes in, he's just second biggest uh transaction ever right I, I think it's it's darwin and then it's him most expensive players in, in all of portuguese football and, and definitely obviously Benfica's second most expensive player so totally different um circumstances surrounding both guys but i, I do tell you we just finished praising sferovic for being ready and, and i think it takes takes character as well um to see a guy like padrinho come in with all that bs surrounding him and he's still you see when a guy's playing he's making the most of his opportunity because a lot of other guys would have just pouted a lot of these you know prima donnas that we see in today's sports they would have just been like oh you know you don't like me f you you know i'm the man i'm gonna do my way no he's look it seems like he's put his head down he's grinding and and, and he's making the most of uh, the the few minutes that jj's given him yeah now now i was just thinking of uh, of something else right and, and certainly we can't ignore the contributions that Pedrinho has made um but something that we always talk about is the fact that prior to arriving in portugal everton really didn't have any defensive responsibilities he played from the 50 up uh you know he, he was never tracking back he wasn't covering anybody in the defensive third uh, and this is something that he's had to adapt to now Pedrinho, when he's come into games, uh, yes, he played against Villa, this Villafranquense uh, Villa team, and certainly there's there's not a lot of cha a challenge there in terms of defending, but th the times that he's come into games has been times where Benfica has needed that extra spark uh, in the midfield and in the final third, and certainly when he comes in, he's not being told by JJ, peraí, tu vais para frente, but you got you to gotta come back and track back and, and defend. No, he's given free reign to use his creative Creativity to use his explosiveness and his dribbling abilities to get into the final third. So perhaps they've that is something also that Pedrinho uh, is excelling, right? Because now he doesn't have to defend, much like what's being asked at Everton. Yeah, and it, I think it goes back to Chris's point: the expectations are lower, and that uh, that that goes well. That helps him him out uh, as well. I was just looking while you guys were talking about uh, Everton and how many games he's played. Guess, Benfica's played 19 games, uh, official games this season. Guess how many uh, Everton has made an appearance or at least 17, 18. So I think fatigue is definitely catching up to to Everton at, at this point. But uh, it is good to still see uh, Pedrengu uh, when he does get those opportunities to come off uh, the bench. I think he's getting eased into the squad and it, it's paying off uh, right now. I'd rather see it um, him, him ease his way into this squad rather than throwing him into the fire and then um, it not pan out. And we say, oh, he's a bust and we try to uh, sell him on the market. Right. So I, I like the way that we're, we've been approaching Pedrengu and uh, he's been a pleasant surprise. Look, Everton 
hasn't he showed he's had he's had flashes right he's had some good games he's had some good moments he's had some bad games some bad moments but the one thing people must not forget man when you're talking and you're thinking about a guy like Everton Civilina little onion for those of you that don't know Civilina means um this is a guy that came from the Brazilian really had no off season yeah you know he's been playing um, as Dave mentioned, 17 out of 19 years for Benfica, coming off a full season, Libertadores, national team. He hasn't had a stoppage, um, with the exception of, what was it? Uh, the pandemic, right? And then once they picked things up and they had to finish out the season, he's been playing nonstop. Where the guys had, what, two weeks? <laughs> it's not that big of a difference. But still, he's the type of guy that, that's had all this pressure on him and, and you know, he, he's got ton of potential, ton of ability. He could do what he wants with the ball. He needs to, 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 you know, get a little bit more consistent here with JJ. And we just hope that that um, he comes around. And I, I, look, I, I think this team at some point, I think I mentioned it before, and I'm going to tell you guys again, I think Benfica will click at some point. Hopefully it won't be too late. Uh, I, I know things haven't gone as smoothly as we've, we all anticipated and we all hoped. Um, but I still believe that JJ will get these guys headed in the right direction. Needs to um, tighten up his scheme needs to figure out who the hell is going to play that six role in that eight role. Um, you know, obviously, if he has to get a lot better defensively, but you know, it's it, it the disappointing thing is the results, but you know, um, I, I'm, I'm still a firm believer, guys. Fair enough. Um, Next up for Benfica was the, the Portuguese League Cup uh, that uh, it was changed format as a result of a shortened or as, as a result of a late start of the season. Um, now, there was, what, uh, eight teams? Eight teams playing. Yeah. There'll be four exactly. left. Uh, Benfica played the Guimarães today. Um, and the 11 for that game was João Ferreira, Jardel, Vertonghen, and Tavares, uh, Weigel and Tarapt, Rafa and Everton on the wings, Walshmidt behind uh, Darwin. Um, and again, um, a game where Benfica was always superior, but again, Guimarães comes down, uh, a mistake in the midfield, Benfica lost the ball, uh, the Guimarães player comes down the middle. João uh, Ferreira tucks in the middle when, Vert, uh, when Vertonghen and Jardel were already there. Uh, leaves uh, Rochinha uh, open wide. Rochinha got to the, 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 the byline, crossed it in, and, and it was a, an easy tap-in for, for Guimarães. Uh, but again, a team coming down to Benfica's defense is always trouble. And here it was Benfica chasing the result from the 60, 16th minute on. And it was a difficult game for Benfica. Guimarães is, is a team that it's a, is a decent team, has been a decent team in Portugal for quite some time. Uh, well organized in the back. And quite frankly, I think that uh, Benfica did dominate, I think, 67% of the possession to 33 overall. 13 shots versus 55 shots uh, for, for Guimarães. But I just thought that anytime that Benfica puts pace uh, in the final third with combinations uh, and there's a lot of movement and there's some dynamic positioning within the team, I think Benfica can break down these teams. I couldn't understand how Guimarães playing with the high line that they were playing because they weren't necessarily all defending uh, in front of their box. 
Benfica didn't attack the depth more uh, than they should have. Uh, there was a lot of balls going from side to side, just Benfica being patient, trying to penetrate. But there was a lot of space behind that defense. And I thought that Darwin could have done a better job uh, attacking the depth. I thought that Walt Schmidt could have done a better job attacking depth. Even Rafa on one side and, and, uh, and uh, Everton on the other. I just felt that the team could have done better. But nonetheless, we were able to... Um, to grab that that la uh, that last gasp uh, goal in the 83rd minute and took the game into penalties after Pizzi converted a penalty uh, that was actually committed on Pedrinho. Um, Cristiano, thoughts on this game? I know that we've we've kind of dragged this on, this on already. I don't want to spend a lot more time uh, re recapping these games, but since this game is a little bit fresher in your mind, thoughts on this game? I'm going to say something at the risk of getting beat up, but I'm going to say it anyway. You saw in today's game when Guimarães scored that goal, and Alfredo, you so illustriously pointed out on Twitter, three center backs with João Ferreira tucking in and, and, and showing really an inexperienced mistake by a young kid. And I, uh, the part I was, I'm saying at the risk of getting beat up is you, in, that instant, in that instant, you saw – why JJ doesn't really trust young players and why he doesn't play young players as much because in a crucial moment like that, a young kid making a mistake like that, look, which is nothing out of this world, but it was a rookie mistake. And then obviously JJ being ruthless, like he just takes him out at the halftime, doesn't even give him a chance, but maybe we'll see what type of players Ron Ferreira is going for. We'll see if this makes him stronger for breaks him. Hopefully he takes this as a learning opportunity and he gets better and he improves and he gets back out there next week. And, you know, and, and he just progresses and gets better. But it, it, as opposed to making fun of Benfica defensively, again, with the new positive Cristiano Oliveira, I, I just, you know, look, it was a rookie mistake. I don't think he'll do it again. Um, could Benfica be better defensively? Without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely, 100%. But that was just a straight sloppy breakdown, and, and Benfica picked things up after that. The first half wasn't exactly the greatest, Alfredo. But I still think Benfica did enough to to, to warrant a win. Um, Guimarães is not no pushover. Benfica played well. I, I think they had difficulty getting into that final third and creating the the, the really excellent goal-scoring opportunities that we know that the JJ teams are capable of doing. But, you know, the few that they did get, they got the one with the million-dollar man, right, with the record signing inside the six by himself. At the very least, Darwin's got to get that on goal, guys. I'm sorry. That is, you talk about a rookie mistake on the other side by Juan Ferreira. This was this was a rookie mistake on on our you know striker's fault. He's got to get that on goal at the very least, and he should have for 25 million euros. You've got to put that ball in the back of the net, and it would have been a different game. I think Benfica controlled the game. The possession was, you know, they, they like you said, Alfredo, a lot of side to side. Right. They must have been watching a lot of uh, 2008 Barcelona videos, Tiki Taka. And it just it was it was it was like I think I mentioned this before we started recording. Every single time a player got a Benfica player got a ball near the offensive third. It was like a hot potato. They were all afraid, with the exception of Rafa. At times, you want Rafa because I don't understand what the hell he was doing on a couple of those plays. Took a touch too many. But these guys are on a rush to get rid of it. Nobody's making runs. I thought uh, JJ needs to get this team uh, to, 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 to understand that sometimes, you know, it's not sometimes, but it's, it's a fact. The ball runs. Sometimes you don't have to make runs as a player. You make the ball run, and the ball does the running for you. Get the ball into space. 
you attack those zones and create scoring opportunities. We're not seeing that from this team. Um, look, going back to JJ, he could do much better. You guys know how I feel about him, but he could do much better. This team is not clicking yet. This team is not playing at the capability at the level we all expect them to play. And when you see the, the horrific defending and you see the stationary uh, movement of players, which I don't even call it a movement, but just players sticking around, walking around, rather getting into spaces, you know that that J.J. really hasn't gotten this team to play in, in his uh, style. Yeah, Dave, um, thoughts on the game? And then, Christina, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to discuss the rap to, uh, after Dave gives us his thoughts on the game. Yeah, just uh, for for us being down most of the game, uh, one nothing, it, it still was a dominant uh, Benfica. Just when it came to that that final sector there, like Cristiano said, it it seems like nobody could could break down that uh, that Guimarães line. But uh, there wasn't really much attacking. It was we weren't um, didn't feel any pressure from Guimarães pushing forward. I feel like we struggled more against. Pash Freire than we did with this uh, Guimaraes uh, team today, but uh, in true Benfica fashion, they left it, uh, made it difficult for us fans and uh, left it up to the uh, last minute. And ultimately it went to, uh, to penalties and uh, we came out on top. Cristiano, let's talk about, um, let's talk about the rapt. Um, what, what, what's happening with the rapt? Uh, do you think that it's 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 some tinkering in the midfield by JJ trying to find that sweet spot for that duo that is pulling Tarapt out of his comfort zone? Or do you think that right now Tarapt is just going through a bad spell, especially after coming out of uh, his, his short break from COVID? I don't think he's recuperated from the COVID. It might sound like an excuse, but you could tell he's a totally different player. Um, is, 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 is passing. That's the one thing, even, even when, you know, before he got hurt, you get a lot of them wrong, but he get a lot of them right. And, and, and that's a Delta Rap, uh, the guy creating, uh, opportunities and always making those, those, those phenomenal passes that a lot of people on Twitter and around the world have, don't have the vision, have no idea what he's trying to do, but he still, you know, he threads that needle and he's not been that player, man. And look, as much as I love him, um, I have to be fair here. He's been, he's been very bad lately. Um, today he had another bad game. But then you see a guy to come in and replace him like a Gabriel, and, and he's just as atrocious. So it's not like Benfica's <laughs> got, got a bunch of other options here that they could, uh, you know, fine-tune things. Um, as I mentioned to you before the pod, there's a lot of these guys aren't carrying their weight. They're not playing up to their to their ability. Um, you want to call it coaching? That's fine. The coach at the end of the day has to take the responsibility for it. But I think these players have to, to really step up their game. I don't know if, we, if it's because of the pandemic. Obviously – everybody's clock, inner clock. We all have an inner clock, right? And when we're off, we're going to be off balance, right? We're not going to feel like ourselves. And maybe these guys are human. Maybe these guys are feeling exactly that because a lot of these guys, um, uh, uh, looking at this starting 11 and today, with the exceptions of Ron Ferreira, right? Excluding him. Um, uh, well, I can't even say that because Nunez, uh, uh, Darwin, they weren't on a team last year. But a lot of these guys that are on the field that we got to see at Benfica, they're not playing better than what or, or any better than they've played in previous years, right? It's not like they've elevated their level of play um, so far this season. And so, look, JJ's got to do a better job of getting that out of his team. He's got to do a better job of, of identifying what tandems he's going to play in the midfield. But Adele Terapt has not been good. Um, and it pains me to say that. 
he does put in a shift. The guy hustles as much as anyone on the field. Doesn't know what the hell he's doing defensively, but he's hustling. He's trying his very best. And a lot of times he's try. you see he's forcing things. Rather than letting the game come to him, it's as if he's eager to prove that he's got what it takes to, to, to set up a team and orchestrate that team um, and get it to, you know, to the promised land. And we sit at home just scratching our heads and wonder what the hell he was seeing. But look, that's, 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 that's a genius, right? The genius see things that the normal people can't see. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't been good over the last couple of weeks. Not at all. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of that, that ball to open the game uh, for Darwin, which Darwin absolutely shanked it with his, with his right foot and went wide. Um, but that's just an example of what that uh, can do. I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I just, um, I'm with you, Chris. The guy is uh, super talented. I don't think anybody could, um, could question his talent. Um, I just don't know if he's the guy to play in that position. And I think that we've discussed this here at length, ad nauseum, uh, that we feel that he's a much better player if he's playing that free role behind uh, the forward, but then he doesn't see as much of, as, of the ball as if he was in, in a more retracted position. So, I just hope that uh, Tarab gets back to the level in which we uh, which we saw him earlier in the season. But certainly right now, uh, he's not doing himself uh, any favors. And, and like you said, Chris, I think that's the over-eagerness uh, to do something, to make something happen uh, that uh, – causes him to take a lot of risks and just those balls are coming are not coming uh together for him that's that's what i think but i think that uh Tarab still has a lot to give to this team i just don't know if we could get him at the position that he needs to be in order to make a difference you know somebody jj needs to tell him that all that all rule right Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? He's forcing things. I don't know. I've seen a couple of games, right, since he's come back, where I forget what game. It might have been. It might have been against Standard Liège, the 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 Europa League game on Thursday. There was, he had a ball just past midfield, kind of like a counterattack, if I recall. And I think it was Rafa. He had Rafa by himself on the right side, on the right wing, and he could have played a simple ball to him, and if he could could have kept the counterattack going, but instead he tried to thread the ball between two defenders to try to force it to Darwin. I don't know if that's instructions from the team, like let's force feed our guy, because at the end of the day, let's not kid ourselves, man. Benfica wants to put their shiny new object on the shopping window, right? Because they know that's going to be the guy that's going to bring them a, a boatload of money at the end of the season. That's going to be the guy that they're going to look smart because, look, you all, Christian Oliveira on the Benfica podcast criticizes for spending $25 million on this guy. Now we sold him for 100 Look, Look at us. We're smart. We don't know if those are specific instructions to try to get Darwin involved or if it is that opt, just trying to force things. Look. I got to be fair here, right? I, 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 I hope it's instructions, but I'd be killing any other player, so I got to be fair here. I, I got to criticize that up. From what we know, we don't have any indication that it is instructions, so Adele has to be better. He's got the simple pass. Keep it simple, stupid. Let the game come to you when you're pressing, when things aren't coming your way. Just keep it, yo, rotate. Just keep the ball moving. Get the yeah. ball. You get it, you pass it, you get it, you pass it. And then you're going to have your opportunities where your instincts is just going to take over on their own and you're going to beat a guy because you have the ability to beat a guy. He's got that ability. But for now, I just think somebody, JJ needs to tell him, look, just just your job is to do what Gabriel does. 
a little bit better because Gabriel likes to give those long balls. And when he gets them off, he just fantastic. Yeah. A lot of other times just give the ball up. And I think he needs to keep things sing. Not just him, Alfredo, but everybody in that position. Because, uh, look, I mentioned Gabriel, but it's a fact, right? It's another one. Just we give the ball away way too much. We need to do a better job of, of taking care of the ball. Just and, and today was a good example of that, to be brutally honest, right? As you said, a lot of right to left, left to right. We did. We took care of the ball in long spurts of the game, but we weren't happy. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, look, um, I, I vividly remember that that uh, that play where he's, he's coming forward and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting to see if that run is made by Darwin. And instead of playing the, the easy ball, he keeps looking for that pass for him to make that thread the needle pass. And they ended up losing uh, or not making a pass that could have been a much simpler and much easier uh, pass that could have put Bifika in a much better position. Uh, but nonetheless, um, we got past the Guimarães uh, in a penalty shootout. We uh, took one one. We tied it in the eighty third minute. Took it to penalties. Everton, Pizzi, Gabriel, and Seferovic all put away their uh, their penalties. Uh, Guimarães uh, missed out on uh, on a couple penalties and, and Befica's through uh, to make it to the final four. Uh, Porto Sporting uh, are already uh, the other two teams on the final four, Befica being the third. Uh, the fourth uh, team will be decided between Braga and Sturil when those two teams uh, play each other. Um, so, yeah, the you know, Befica, JJ has won uh, five out of the seven He's won five out of the seven uh, League Cups with Benfica. He's he's won six League Cups total, if I'm not mistaken. One of them was with with Sporting, of course. But uh, he will have another chance here to uh, to win a trophy. So Benfica still in um, that competition. Um, next up is Gil Vicente. Dave, what's Gil Vicente up to? Xenio, you want to say something before we move I, on? I wanted to say I, I just wanted to point out it was great. It was great, man, to see Andrea Almeida out there playing today uh, after, you know, obviously the knee surgery. <laughs> I almost hoped that he was going to come in for Benfica. It was Andrea Almeida, but obviously not our Andrea Almeida. But That's right. <laughs> my, attempt, my attempt at humor. Bad humor, but my attempt anyway. I got like it. Top thread, uh, you know, thread in the needle pass. It was an attempt. You know, good try. But You got you got a chuckle from me. That's all that matters. It was, we got that. We got it's kind of like your your jokes, you know. That's right. Dave, Joe uh, Vicente uh, this year currently in 12th position with nine points from two wins, three draws, uh, four losses, and uh, Benfica's last five at uh, Barcelos, uh, three win, two draws, and those draws coming in 2014 and 2011. Yeah, the game happens this Sunday at 5.30 local, 12.30 here in the east coast of the United States. Uh, and interesting, Gil Vicente has only lost one game at home out of the four games that they have played um, at uh, Cidad de, in Barcelos, I should say. Uh, they have lost Sporting, they've lost to Porto, uh, but all of that was away from Cidad de Barcelos. Um, you, know you know what they say about the land of the cock? It's hard to play there. That's you know right. That's right. Uh, one of the best defensive teams at home. I think they're either second or third uh, best in the Portuguese league uh, so far. Um, once the, the 
I wanted to say something before we, we start wrapping up. Once the four teams are known for the final four of the Portuguese League Cup, uh, there will be another drawing to see who's going to play who in that final four. Um, Is the it Port- out already, Alfredo? I'm sorry? No. I thought it was out. That was no. for the other. Uh, that was for the Tasa Portugal. Where being- oh, yeah. okay. My, my apologies. My yeah, apologies. and uh, for the Portuguese Cup, and, and as we uh, as we wrap up Portuguese Cup next round, January thirteenth, uh, Befica will play uh, Club Futebol Estrela, uh, which is a club that was refounded uh, from the ashes of Estrela da Amadora. Uh, Estrela da Amadora, as if you guys are, are my age or, or a little bit uh, younger, you would uh, know who Estrela da Amadora is. Was a, was obviously a a team uh, from Amadora that uh, went bankrupt. Nice. We couldn't figure that out. Um, went bankrupt and had to be uh, reformed, um, reformed to um, to host some of the, the youth teams. Uh, then the senior team rejoined with a, with a football club, Sintra or Sintra. Yeah. 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 Was it Sintra? C- Sintra, it was Sintra. Sintra Football Club. Uh, and uh, now they're called uh, Club Football Estrela. And, uh, oh, they joined forces so they could take their place in its third division. That's really yeah. what it was. They joined forces and like, all right, yeah. you're going to fold and we're going to skip all these levels. We'll join forces. And look, they're doing a good job. Um Former Bruno Carvalho, right hand man at Sporting Gerald's, is, is running. The show. running the um, show, yeah. they're, they're look, they mean business. They're trying to, to, to get back into first division. Um, and, and it's good to see a team with that much history behind them with those funky uniforms looking like uh, Fluminense. That's uh, right. It'll be fun to see those guys back in the Portuguese because it's always good to see those traditional Portuguese teams with history behind them, even though, with the exception of five or six teams in Portuguese football that have ever won a trophy. These teams are very old, been around, and it's good for tradition. And, and for us, Alfredo, when we we're little kids, we we looked up to those teams because those teams were in first division every year. So to us, they might as well have been Porto Benfica Sport because to us, they were ginormous because we got to see them week in, week out against the big boys. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of good players coming out of that Estrela da Amadora. I, I think I vaguely remember Miguel was was one of them that came out of uh, Estrela da Amadora. J, JJ uh... That's right. That's where JJ learned how to play football. And he mentioned that in the press conference when he was asked about uh, the the prospect of uh, playing uh, a football club, uh, club football, Strilla. So, uh, matchup for us to uh, look forward to. Dave, I think, I believe they've already uh, they've already eliminated Farence, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And yeah. So something to look forward to. Also, this Gio Vicente game could be tricky ahead of a Super Cup game against uh, Football Club do Porto, which, as I mentioned, will happen a week from today as we record this. So next Wednesday, uh, Gio Vicente, then Porto, in a game that could test the metal uh, and the mental aspect of where this team is at and also um, where JJ is at in terms of uh, his uh, clashes with Sergio Conceição. Uh, mind games are coming. Be ready. And uh, that's it. That's all we got. I know that we ran a little bit long today, but we had a lot of games that we needed to uh, recap. And quite frankly, we we miss all of you guys. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to my man Lionel and his brother Nick. They're huge fans. Tremendous Benficistas. They love listening to the podcast and uh, you know, and I told them I'd give them a shout out. They're big Dave fans. Um, they pronounce the team name just like Dave does, so they love them. <laughs> What's his name? Lionel. Lionel. <laughs> Lionel. He hates it when I call Lionel. him. Lionel. 
Uh, Lionel, like the train. <laughs> yeah, or Messi. Or there's a Lionel train. I don't even know. No, it's. I think it's a brand of trains is uh, Lionel. I don't know. Big shout out to all our fans. Uh, thanks, thanks for all the support. Thanks for for continuing to uh, put up with our crap and and all the train lovers that are tuning in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, putting up with us and, and tuning in every every week. Uh, next week we'll be back. We'll break down the Silvi Sent game and we'll look ahead to the first uh, trophy of the season uh, for JJ uh, or the prospect of of winning it. Of course, uh, my name is Alfredo Fumasas. Dave the Oliveira and Cristiano Oliveira joined me at ten co ten at eighty seven do eighty seven at Befica Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter, uh, also on Instagram, Facebook, and all that uh, that good stuff. Uh, don't forget to check out our friends or our project over at BefficaIndependent.com. Uh, now on Discord, if Discord is is your gig, uh, go on there and participate. Join the join the group. Thanks everyone. Take care. See you again next week. <laughs>